1: You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I'm Jillian Johnsrud, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. For the first 35
1: or so years of my life, I never thought a moment about retirement. And then, all of a sudden, It was the only thing on my mind. All or nothing thinking. It plagues us in so many aspects of our lives. Winning or losing, finishing or quitting, retiring or working. The problem with such thinking is that it can be exhausting, a cause of much burnout. Often when we set our eyes on leaving the workplace, we are only halfway through the marathon of retirement savings. What then? Slog it out miserably for a decade in hopes for the future? Take on a side hustle and work even more? Gamble our money on a high-stakes but risky investment to get to a vaunted net worth earlier? None of this sounds great. Well, my guest today is not only a dear friend, but also has argued that this all-or-nothing lens is not the only way in which to view our futures. She says that there are other ways, better ways, and she calls them mini-retirements. Maybe we should retire early and often. In the past 15 years, Jillian Johnsrud has paid off $55,000 of debt, traveled to 27 countries, lived abroad for four years, took five mini-retirements, and adopted four kids. At 32, she became financially independent. Now it's her mission to help others build a life that perfectly lines up with their values, passion, and purpose— Julian Johnsrud, welcome back to Earn and Invest. I feel like we have to start at the beginning. What the heck
0: is a mini retirement? <laughs> and is it different from a sabbatical? So I define mini retirement is any time you step away from your nine to five for a month or longer to focus on something that matters to you. Um, And so it could have lots of names. Some people call them gap years. Some people call them sabbaticals, hiatus. It's just the idea of stepping away to do something different, to do something important to you.
1: So in my introduction, I said that you've had five mini retirements, but I think now that even might be dated because you've been adding them into your life more and more. Tell me about your first mini retirement. How did you personally decide it was time to take it? And what did it look like in your life?
0: Yeah. So mini retirements, one of the things I love about with them is they can serve a lot of different functions. There's a lot of different purposes that you can give each one. And my first one, you know, we had known kind of the... First year we were married, we had a conversation about this idea of sabbaticals, is what I called it at the time. So we'd kind of been planning and preparing, um, but I had a moment, I was probably 24, and I'd had a miscarriage. And for a lot of people, it's like a small blip and you know a disappointment, and they move on and they keep trying to get pregnant. For me, it... I had kind of been a one-trick pony up until this point in my life. And my one trick was if something was painful or difficult, I suppressed it. I pushed it down. I ignored it. I focused on something else. And it had worked really well until I had a miscarriage. And then that trick didn't work. And all of this pain and all of this disappointment and all of this grief that I had ignored for 24 years of my life came pouring out. And it was like I got a crack in the dam and I was overwhelmed by the flood and there was no amount of patching that could push this water back. And I was just a mess. And I was working at a church at the time and all of these sweet people were trying to like I don't know, say nice things, and the more nice things they said, the more angry I became. It was inconsolable. And finally, they were like, Honey, what if we just give you a month off? We'll we'll <laughs> we'll pay for it. I think you just just take a break. <laughs> I like they just didn't know what to do. And a friend of mine had been living abroad. Um, and she was coming home, and I said, You know what let's do a road trip. And we drove from DC to Seattle and back. We took a little bit over a month. It was super cheap. We car camped, we tent camped, we stayed on friends' couches. We, um, you know, we would go into gas stations in the morning and fill up, you know, our tank with gas, but we would bring in our little thermos of hot water and, you know, fill it up and take it back to the car and make instant oatmeal. Um, So I think for the whole month, we only spent like less than $2,000, but it was transformative. It was exactly what I needed. Um, I just needed to see the landscape and I needed the national parks and I needed nature and I needed to connect with new friends and old friends and um, have long conversations that lend themselves to driving across the Midwest through cornfields. So it
1: sounds like that first mini retirement was almost more of a necessity, but eventually it really became a choice. Talk about how you decided to start building that into your career, professional life, making money, because clearly it sounds like after this first really positive experience, Mm -hmm. you wanted to build this into your lifestyle.
0: Building into our lifestyle was always our intention. Like I said, that first year of marriage, I came my husband with this idea, and he was kind of like, I don't know if people really do that. And I was like, but I think we could. Like, I think you know, if we just like, if we just saved like an extra ten percent, and and I think we could take a year off, like every seven years. And and he had all these questions, like, well, what about getting jobs after? What about health care? And I was like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. And we did over time. You know, our our motivation was. There are things that have expiration dates. There are things that only fit into certain seasons of your life and you can't you can't push it all till you're 65 because that season will have passed. You know, we did a uh, we did a 10-week road trip with my kiddos. They were probably 3 to 11, 3 to 12 at the time. And we were in a pop-up camper. We did 10 national parks, uh, the whole thing across the west and and i just remember feeling like this is a short season i can't put this off for 20 years because i can't convince a bunch of 20 year olds to do a live, live with me in a pop-up camper for 10 weeks in national parks like we do it now or we miss out and so we've kind of looked at what either what feels urgent what feels important right now or what is going to expire what things in our life are like, if we don't do it in these 10 years, the window will have closed.
1: I want to talk in a moment about the why of mini retirements, because I feel like you've really brought up two big key ideas. One is necessity or burnout, right? You became burned out in life after this miscarriage, et cetera. The other is this recognition that there are seasons of our lives. I want to talk about the other reasons, but before we Mm -hmm. do, I mean, I think the question that has to be on the top of everyone's mind is, do they financially set you back? Because you're now someone who's done this multiple times. And I think it would be the big, you know, it sounds really nice in theory. Hey, let's go take some time off, live a little life, and then we can come back and go back to work later. But will that put us back in the future when we're trying to build for retirement or build for retiring early even, which is what a lot of people in our community want to do?
0: I think that is a huge fear. Um, sometimes when I'm working with clients who have that fear, I I run like a financial software and we look at, okay, so what if you didn't, you know, you spent this money and you didn't have this earnings. So when you're 65, instead of having $6.5 million, you're going to have 5.9. So I want you to emotionally live in that moment Instead of 6.5, you have 5.9. That's $600,000 difference. That's a huge number. When you're 65, will you feel regret that you've taken this time away? Or will you be so happy that you had all of these amazing experiences with your parents, with your kids, with your friends in that season of life? That has a value. And that $600,000 has a value. Which one will be more important? And that's not a choice I can make for them. But that's a choice that sometimes when they have a hard dollar number and an idea of what this time could bring, they can weigh that out themselves a little bit more. But when it comes to smaller mini retirements, the other side is, you know, like I said, I took a month off and it cost like $2,000. It didn't set us back at all. And I would argue for a lot of people taking this time off, rejuvenating, and then switching jobs, they typically end up going into a better paying job. They usually find a better job and it sets them up for a higher lifetime earning potential. And they come out ahead by taking these consistent breaks. Um, They actually end up earning a lot more money. Or what Adam and I, my husband and I have done. Is we took two of them before we were five and accomplished some things. Like we bought and renovated a house and bought a rental during one of my husband's. And then during another one, we bought another rental and renovated it. And those two mini retirements put us way ahead of the game versus just staying at our jobs. So Like I said, they can serve multiple functions. It could be rest and recovering from burnout. It could be adventure. You could start a new business. You could invest in rentals. You could do these big things that you've always thought, well, that would be cool. I can see the advantage, but I don't have the time or the mental bandwidth to do it alongside my regular job.
1: Two thoughts come to mind as I hear you talk about this. One is this idea, and we've been talking about this a lot on this podcast you know, I always get the argument, well, you know, for people working hand to mouth, they can't go and take many retirements. But the truth of the matter is most people listening to this podcast, most of the kind of people who are doing advanced planning and thinking about retirement, mm-hmm. they're way more risk that they're going to retire with lots of money and not use it versus this idea that they're going to retire with too little money and run out for mm-hmm. this subset of the population who tends to pay attention to podcasts like this and who has a yeah. portfolio and is really – kind of thinking and planning through the portfolio. The other interesting thing that you said, which made me pause, was this whole idea of we think of mini retirements as time off, and clearly they are time off from that thing you were doing, but they're not necessarily time off when it comes to being industrious. As you were kind of saying, a lot of people actually produce things, create things, or do things during that mini retirement, which have financial gains, if not other life gains.
0: Now I've I've turned 40 and kind of in this midlife point where you're reconciling all the things that you thought maybe one day you would do with the reality of, oh, I don't have forever to do them. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to, I need to, you know, kind of look at this more honestly. And many retirements give you that chance. They give you that opportunity. Like- When I was 32, we took a year off, we were five, but I wasn't, I think I was in a spot a lot of people we were, are in, in that, okay, so the numbers, I I kind of trust the numbers, the numbers kind of make sense, but there's a lot of what ifs, there's a lot of what if this happens or that happens or, and you just don't know. And so for us, because we had done multiple mini retirements, I said, you know what, you know what I do know, we're going to take a year off. That's what I know. We're going to take a year off, and then we're going to see how it goes. And one of the things that throughout my 20s, I had always kind of knocked around as an idea is this idea of writing. But in my 20s, I mean, I grew up from a pretty poor background and very kind of blue-collar mentality of like, you you do jobs that pay you on Friday, <laughs> Like you do things that you know will pay the bills, and everything else is for other people. It's for people with cushions and safety nets and uh, people who can be frivolous. And that's kind of how I viewed writing. But during this mini retirement, we wrote on all the things we wanted to do. We had kind of this dream to-do list. And one of the things I wrote down in there was something to do with writing. <laughs> because I was kind of in that, like, I've never actually committed to this practice and I want it in my life somehow, well, now's the time. Now's the opportunity. So it can provide you that chance of what if, what if I pursued this? What if I investigated this a little bit more? What if I gave it a little bit more time and space in my life?
1: So let's talk some logistics because a lot of people say, oh, this sounds nice, but how do I do this? Let's start with the most simple. How do we know when it's the right time to plan a mini retirement into our life? Like, how do we know when, okay, this is the time to do it?
0: So I think there's two kinds of mini retirements. There's the one that you kind of schedule and you intentionally plan out and you slowly work out all those logistics. And then there's, call them the mini retirement go bag. All of us, almost all of us will have these moments in our life where there'll be a natural career gap. Some of them planned, some of them unplanned. You'll switch jobs, you move across the country, you'll get laid off. Something will happen and all of a sudden you have a month or two months or six months unemployed. And the idea of a mini retirement go bag is... I used to watch like NCIS, like this investigative show, and they had this little duffel bag with, you know, clo- change of clothes and their passport and their toothbrush. And mm-hmm. if there was an important mission, they could just go and grab their go bag and get on a plane. I think we can pack a mini retirement go bag where we have the intention, we have the plan, we have some ideas of things we want to do in the season of life, something that feels important, and we've saved a little bit of money. So when these opportunities present ourselves, we're ready for them. Like in also in my 20s, I was kind of let go from a job. I don't know. They said, Hey, we think your job's gonna be this thing. And I said, Hey, I can't do that thing. And they're like, Oh, well, I mean, if you want to do that thing, we'll give you the job. And I was like, Yeah, no, really, I can't. I can't do that thing. <laughs> it's not my skill set. So all of a sudden, I was unemployed. And it was, it's a tough thing to navigate emotionally. You feel disappointed, you feel sad, you feel worried. But I had this mini retirement go bag and I said, you know what? I'm ready. I don't emotionally, I don't feel ready, but logistically, we've done all the footwork. And so we took a trip actually to where I live now, just outside Glacier National Park. And we brought our adopted son. And we you know we hung out glacier for the week, and it was one of my very best mini retirements. It was one of my very best vacations with our son um just so fun, so magical, to share this spot with him that I loved so much and then we moved back here, it was probably ten years later, and like a month after we moved back here, he passed away unexpectedly, hmm. and I just thought. If I hadn't done that, we never would have had that experience together. We never would have enjoyed those moments and those memories of something I wanted to share with him so much. And so many retirements you plan, but just preparing the logistics for those opportunities that life will present.
1: So we're talking a little bit about the logistics and you were talking about this idea of a go bag, especially if life is at that point of transition. Let's talk about when life is not at that point of transition and maybe you actually even like your job. Yeah. How do we negotiate this with an employer? We like Mm -hmm. our job, but maybe we're a little burned out. Maybe we're a little exhausted or maybe we just realize that the season is passing and we're not going to get a chance again. Is this something we can do when we are employed? Maybe at a job we like.
0: Yes, I love it. So one of my very favorite aspects of coaching is sometimes I help uh, people negotiate mini retirements, negotiate unusual things in their workplace. And the reason I love it so much is people have such low expectations. <laughs> and what and what they can get is so far beyond their expectation that they're just shocked and amazed and thrilled all the time, which is super fun for me. But people underestimate. If you're a good employer or good employee, if you like your job, they underestimate the dynamics in an HR setting. how incredibly expensive it is to hire new people and to train new people uh, and to get them up to speed to where they're performing as well as you're performing. Uh, I was speaking at a Camp five once, and I had a I think it was he was a CFO and he said well there's no way there's no way I could get a month off of work like I'm absolutely too essential like this is great for like hourly employees this is great for other people this would never work for me and i said so cuz i've known a lot of people in the c suite and i said so how long um how long do you think it would take them to find your replacement and he was like oh it's a long process yeah that would probably take 6 months and i was like yeah how long um How long do you think it would take someone after they hire them to get them up to speed to perform the way you perform? And he was like, oof, that's like a year. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) probably just easier to give you a month off, isn't it? (laughs) And then they're guaranteed a great employee to come back. And so especially if you have that leverage of, I'm willing to leave and change jobs if you can't reasonably accommodate something. Uh, So there's a few few kind of guiding principles I use. One, you have to do all of the mental and emotional labor. You can't just go to your employer and say, okay, you need to figure this out for me. This is going to be a very creative and a very collaborative process. You need to anticipate all of the challenges and start to come up with solutions of how you can fix this. And honestly, for some people, it might not be 100%. There might be one sticking point. Like I, I worked with someone who was an accountant and you know, tax season, super busy, but end of the month kind of reconciling was really important. And that took about eight hours at the end of the month. And it was just going to be really tough, even if they brought in a temp for anyone to to do that for her. And so we said, okay, you stay through tax season. What if you go in one day at the end of the month? If that's what it takes to make this whole thing work, cool. <laughs> like, and and she did, and it worked out fine. She had you know three or four months off. She went in one day at the end of the month. Like, it didn't hamper any of her plans. Um, and just a funny aside to the story because I love it so much. When we were in this process of negotiating, she had originally planned to leave because she was like, "There's absolutely no way that they'll." There's no way they'll give me four months off. I'm totally convinced. And I said, okay, but I want you to ask for a raise while, when you quit. And she was like, wait, excuse me? I no, I, I don't think I heard you right. I was like, yeah, I think like a 20% raise when you quit. And she was like, Do people do that? Do they do they ask for raises on the day that they quit? And I was like, part of this negotiating process is we center it on fair. this this concept of fair. And I said, go to them and say, I'm willing to stay on through tax season. I'm willing to stay on these next four months and get you through this thing. In return, I would just like to be fairly compensated. Here's what the market rate is. If you can agree to this fair compensation, I'll stay on and get you through this tough spot well, of course they're going to say yes. And they did. So it's also a great example of like, do many retirements set you back? For her, that was like an extra 20,000 a year um, that will increase her lifetime earning potential way more than this four months off ever would set her back. So it takes it takes multiple conversations. It takes patience. It takes creativity. It takes collaboration and going in with this really positive idea, and pitching it um, in a certain way. I have a few guideposts on how like how you set up this conversation. But employees have a lot more agency. They have a lot more leverage than they typically think they do.
1: So we're talking mini retirements and logistics. One last before the break kids. So uh-huh. yes, you can plan your mini retirement during the summer, but kids <laughs> go to camp. They go to school. How do you negotiate keeping the kids' lives stable and having yeah. the kids do what they need to do with your need maybe to take off and get out and do this mini
0: retirement? Yeah. So we have five kiddos. They're currently seven to 15. And we've done this a number number of times. And so I've We've done it all sorts of ways. We have done it during the summer. Uh, We did it towards the end of the school year, once when we did that 10-week vacation, and we simply unenrolled them, signed them up to homeschool for the last six weeks of the year, and then we re-enrolled them in the fall. One time we did it uh, last winter. We did it in the middle of the winter. Uh, I think it was November through February. And there again, we we enrolled them, sent them to school unenrolled them, signed them up to homeschool, kind of kept them up to date on what their classmates were learning. And then when we got back, we re-enrolled them and they went back to school. And you know, it was, it took a little, I mean, the teachers in that scenario, they can't say no, like you're allowed to unenroll and homeschool your kids, um, and you're allowed to re-enroll them. But we wanted the school staff on board. And so it was some conversations of here's what we're doing, here's our vision. You know, here's how we can kind of keep them up to speed on what they're learning. Uh, and everyone, of course, was very skeptical. Um, but We had a, a teacher meeting for one of our kiddos when we came back. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe how much progress your child has made. Like, what is the magic curriculum you were using? Like, she accomplished all of her yearly goals in the three months you were gone. And I was like, oh there was no magical. <laughs> the curriculum was not magic. Um, so it's not it's not impossible. I would say it's a little bit easier in elementary school um because what they're learning is a little bit more straightforward. It's kind of like, okay, while you're gone, we're learning multiplication. Like that's what really what you need to focus on and, you know, keep doing your reading do some writing. Um, It's a little bit trickier in junior high, high school. Um, But there again, those seasons of life, if you want to travel with your kids, trying to, I think that that three to 12 age range is really a wonderful sweet spot of, they kind of miss their friends, but they're so happy to spend time with you. They're so happy to be close to you and do fun things with you and they find everything entertaining. Uh, my gosh, my kids were little. They loved public bathrooms. Oh my gosh, <laughs> a public bathroom was like the highlight of the day. <laughs> I'm
1: glad someone always, enjoys those. Yeah,
0: I was always so frustrated and annoyed. I'm like, do you really have to go to the bathroom, or do you just want to go in there? <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. There are logistical things to consider, but everything's everything is learnable. Everything has a possible solution. And look to the other people who've done it, because I guarantee you, you're not the first one. You're not the first one in a school system. You're not the first one in a career field, in an organization. Other people have done unique things. Um, Find them and just have a conversation. Hey, how how did you figure this thing out?
1: We are talking to Jillian Johnsrud. In the last 15 years, she's paid off $55,000 of debt, traveled to 27 countries, lived abroad for four years, and adopted four kids. And we are talking the magic of mini-retirements. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights, we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave, and two minutes later, we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later, you have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We're back with Jillian Johnsrud. At the age of 32, she became financially independent. Now it's her mission to help others build a life that perfectly lines up with their values, passion, and purpose. And we are talking about mini-retirements. So let's sum it up for people. First and foremost, I want to talk about positives and negatives. What are some of the big positives that you tell people when they're considering mini-retirements? Like, Why should we do this?
0: Yeah, I think it is that season of life Things will expire, um, and you'll change too. You know, there are things that after after thirty, I was like, I don't sleep on frozen ground anymore. That season of my life, it was fun. It passed. I don't sleep in vehicles anymore. Uh, that's gone. Now that I'm forty, I think I'm past sleeping in a room full of strangers, like youth hostel style. It it might be a season that, that has passed me by now. But you know what? I'm so glad I did both of those in my 20s and 30s. I'm so happy I have those experiences when I enjoyed them. Because now I can enjoy new experiences. Now so it can lead into this new season of life.
1: So it can't all be positive. Um, what mm-hmm. are some of the negatives? Have you experienced any or heard from other people that yeah, this just didn't work?
0: Oh man, there are a number of them. And honestly, it's, it's it's tough to believe until you're in it, but they're really consistent. Uh, so people listening will go, well, that wouldn't apply to me. That won't be a problem to me. And nine times out of 10, when people come up to me and say, yeah, I did it. It didn't work out so well. Um, there are some really common pitfalls. One, most of us as as humans, we've done traditional schooling. We've done traditional jobs. We don't actually have a lot of practice in how to organize our time because other people have organized our time for us, and they've told us what we need to be working on, and they've told us what's important and what success looks like. So when you're faced with all of this free time, it's tough to organize it in a way that you feel good about it, especially if you're burned out. Um, it's another, another really difficult thing when people are burned out, especially if they've been high productive, high producing, very driven people going through this almost like bell curve of recovering from burnout can, can be a little, uh, a little discomforting. Um, it feels they're not used to resting and oftentimes they have really negative self-talk about rest. You know, they start napping and they so. feel guilty about napping. Um, you know, their body, its I kind of compare it to if you've been out in the wilderness and like you haven't had food and you've been lost, you're hungry. Your body knows it's hungry, but you don't really think or feel hungry after so many days. But soon as you have access to food again, your body's like, oh no, I'm very hungry and we're going to eat a lot for quite a while. Um, That's kind of what it's like in rest and sleep. You've been rest and sleep deprived for so long that your body kind of has gotten used to ignoring those signals. You start to give it some rest and sleep. It's like, oh, we have access to this now. Okay, we're going to get a lot of it. And that can just those that cycle can um can throw people off and it can make them feel um a little depressed, a little discouraged. It messes with their sense of identity and self. And so I really, especially with coaching clients who are high productive but burned out, we have to talk a lot about here's what to expect, here's what you're gonna feel, here's what you might think. Here's how this kind of this graph line goes. Here's when you're going to come out the other side. And here's some ideas of how to structure this time to where you know you're doing the right thing. And so we we create plans for active rest. What are activities that you can do that are restful that we can plan into your day? whether that's reading a book or going for a walk, or going for lunch with friends or a swim class, uh, a painting class, like, Because 12 unstructured hours won't actually feel restful for a lot of people. And so it takes some intention to work through this in a way that you get all the benefits out with less of the the challenges. Uh, Another challenge is that if there are problems and issues in your life, which we all have, but you've been so busy with work that you've been able to ignore them, and now you have all of this time. Um, any any unresolved conflict in your relationships in your marriage that you just could ignore when you went away to work, uh, now you now you get to sit with it all day long. It's a positive thing in that you can resolve a lot of things, but sometimes, you know, the thought process goes, people, they're not happy, they're burned out, but at least they're making a lot of money. And they left all of that money and they're doing this thing. And they're like, and now I'm tired and I'm not getting anything done and I'm not being productive and I'm fighting with my spouse. Like, why the heck did I, at least I was making money then. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't unhappy then, but, um, Definitely not happy now. And and I feel bad because I'm not earning money. So there is some things that you have to, to you have to navigate.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of this idea that we actually have two traditional views of retirement. One is sitting by the pool or the beach resting. And then the other one is traveling. And when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about mini retirements... It makes me realize you have to be very thoughtful and intentional. Which type of mini retirement do you need at this time in your life? Is this a travel, have fun, do something big season? Or is this a rest, relax, and recover season? And then plan that mini retirement accordingly because it can't be both of those things at the same time usually.
0: Yeah. I, I always encourage people to pick one or two intentions. What is your intention for this time off? Um, because it can't, it can't be everything. It can't be, I'm going to rest and I'm going to build a business and I'm going to travel the world because those don't, those work against each other. So pick one or two intentions and, you know, it might be rest and declutter and just like have fun, chill daily outings with your kids. Like those could be a couple things, but it helps at the end of the day, when you've checked off your you know, your active rest activities or whatever it was that aligned with your intention, you can go, actually, you know what? I did exactly what I set out to do today. My day was perfectly aligned with my intentions. And while most people would not say that's the most productive day, I know that I did exactly what I was supposed to do.
1: We were talking about the different types of mini retirements. And one is what you call the go bag mini retirement. This idea Mm -hmm. that you kind of, fall into a situation where, hey, it's between jobs. I happen to have a month or two here. Let's go and do it. I have my go bag ready. So let me pose this question to you, whether it be physical things or intentions, what do you pack in your go bag for mini retirements? Mm -hmm. Like what do you mentally prepare for, physically prepare for, so that in case the Mm -hmm. opportunity presents itself, you'll be ready?
0: Yeah. So two big things are what are the activities or the things you would want to do. And because you don't know when this is going to happen or the season, you know, if you have three of them and you start to plan out some of the logistics, like if I had a month off, you know, maybe you want to do a yoga retreat in Thailand and I would, I would go to this place and I would do these things. And here's kind of what that itinerary would be. Or maybe you want to, you know, go skiing uh, for a month in the winter. Like here's what all of those logistics would be. Here's where I should go. Here's what I would do. Here's where I would stay. So kind of like trip planning, but it could also be, here's the hobby I want to pursue. Like if you wanted to write a book, here's the book I would write. Here's the outline. Here's where I would write it. Here's how much time it would take. Um, And then the financials that support those visions. So if you kind of have those, you know, like a one page, for a couple different ideas. Because the thing with these unexpected mini retirements is that emotionally, they're often really difficult to navigate. And you might not be in the best place emotionally. And when you're in that dark, confusing, hard time, it's really tough to like find inspiration to plan out this cool, exciting thing. You know, that's why I say a mini retirement is like something away from your nine to five for a month or longer, but also that you focus on something that's meaningful and matters to you. A lot of people have had a month off and it sucked because they sat around the house and they were mad and they were disappointed and they were scared and they binged Netflix and they ate a lot of popcorn. Um, And jobs searched online, and it just—they're like, well, that actually that wasn't awesome. I don't really want to do that. Uh, But it's so easy to fall into that in those moments. So think through all the logistics when you're in a good mental space. Think through the the budget. Have those things ready. If you want to set that money aside in like its own separate little checking account, then when unexpected things happen, it's an easier transition to go from, oh, this isn't. What I thought life was going to look like in this moment to, hey, let's go do this cool thing.
1: So this idea of mini retirements I had never heard of before. I'd heard this idea of a sabbatical, which I thought was Mm -hmm. like a once in a career thing that people in Mm -hmm. academia occasionally did you were probably the first person I ever heard talking about this idea. You and I are both part of the financial independence, retire early or fire community. We really don't even say fire anymore, right? People just talk about financial independence and have dropped the RE. But I'm curious to see what you feel like this idea of mini retirements has done in general to the financial independence community. How has it affected it or changed it? I feel like this community has evolved a lot over the mm-hmm. years, and, and mini-retirements are one of the reasons why. Tell me what you think the effect has been.
0: Well, to start off, I, I started our journey with this idea of mini-retirements because I didn't think we would become FI before like 60. We, My husband nor I were high earners. We were very average earners, like $30,000 a year kind of earners, um, and so... I thought this this is our path. This is our option. Like I can't retire early. I didn't even know that that was a thing, honestly, but we could do this. And it wasn't until I was almost five that I really learned about this fire movement. Uh, So I was very late to that game, which honestly, I think was a huge advantage because I didn't have that all or nothing mindset. Um, I, I started the journey with the idea of like, let's mix in these mini retirements. But I started writing about this seven years ago. And there was a lot of pushback. <laughs> there was yeah, a lot of resistance. It was the community was very much like, no, keep your head down, push through, get there, and then retire forever. Like just work hard. It doesn't matter if you're tired. It doesn't matter if you're burned out. Just like get to this end goal. Um, so I started talking about it and I kept talking about it again. And over the years, it softened and it's shifted. And at this last campfire, I was amazed. Um, There was like 12 people there that were either on a mini retirement or planning one very soon. Um, And people are, are really coming around. And I think it's helped that a lot of people who had that kind of push through and get to the end, no matter the cost mindset, are now saying, actually, maybe that wasn't the best plan. Um, it didn't actually prepare me for retirement in any other way other than financially. Um, and so I think the mindset has shifted more of kind of this more balanced approach. And yeah, it's I think it's a healthier... One, it's a, a lot more accessible of an option. But like I said, those struggles of like those challenges in, in a mini-retirement... Are the exact same challenges people face in actual retirement? Talk to anyone who's 65 and has left their career. (laughs) There's marital conflict. (laughs) There's uh, not knowing how to structure their time. Um, There's a learning curve. The difference is if you're 65, all of your peers are going through the exact same thing. And you have lots of people in the same boat that can go out to lunch with you and talk about to you about how they're managing it and how their friends are managing it. When you're 45, you got nobody none of your peers and none of your friends are going through this and you present your challenges to them and they say, well, that sounds like a nice problem to have. Now, doesn't it? You don't know how to structure all this free time you have. (laughs) You have too much time with your spouse. Like I kind of wish I had your problems, Um, which isn't actually super helpful for us to learn how to navigate this. So I think there is a, a big shift in especially in the FIRE community. Well, Julian, I want you to thank
1: you for coming on the show today. I wanted to discuss mini retirements again because this idea, and you've been talking about this for seven years, but I think we've really gotten to this point where we understand that you have to learn how to live for today as well as Mm -hmm. tomorrow. And taking some time for yourself and doing the things you want to do in life does not have to set your finances back. I love this idea that you're test driving your actual retirement by doing these mini retirements now. But as I even think about that, that's kind of wrong. What you're really doing is testing out your best life. And I feel like this, you know, in marketing, we call it A-B testing. But what you're really doing is throwing the spaghetti against the wall, finding out what sticks, and then building more of that into your life as time goes by. And I think mini retirements are a great way to do that. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where people can find you. So. I'm looking at you on the video screen and right behind you is your book, Fire the Haters.
0: Tell us about what's going on with your writing. Yeah, I have finished the first draft of my next book, which is Retire Often. Um, So it will be all about this idea of mini retirements. And, you know, my husband and I had that conversation 21 years ago now about mini retirements, and he had all of these great questions of like, I don't know if this is possible. What about all of this? And over the last 21 years through probably done a dozen mini retirements now and through all of, all of my clients and all of the other stories I've gathered, I feel like I do kind of have a, a pretty solid blueprint of how to make this happen and how to make it really awesome and really productive um, and how to set it up to where you get to five faster. And you're not just more financially prepared, but like we've talked about, your life is more prepared because you have had these these small windows to test your, I call it your ideal FI lifestyle. You've tested it, you've scaled it, you've tried some things, you've learned some things, and now it's a seamless transition to step into this life. Um, so yeah, that's going to be kind of my focus for the next year is uh, getting, getting this book sewed up.
1: And if people want to ask you questions, what is the best way to interact with you?
0: The best way to interact with me is through my email list. Uh, All the emails come right back to me and I try to answer all of my emails. Sometimes it takes me a while. Um, But yeah, I, uh, and people oddly really like my email list. I only email like once a month, maybe twice a month, maybe every three months. So it is always a surprise when you get an email from me.
1: And do we do that at JillianJohnsRude.com or where's the best way to do that? Yep. JillianJohnsRude.com. Jillian, thank you so much for coming back on Earn and Invest and talking about mini retirements.
0: Man, always a pleasure.
1: That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Okay, we've talked about this before. The idea that financial independence retire early, the FIRE movement has been branded incorrectly. Why do I say that? Well, we all believe in financial independence, however you want to define it. But clearly, as time goes on, less and less of us really believe in this concept of retire early. The truth of the matter is, most of us figure we're going to be doing some kind of work and maybe even getting paid for it. For the long term, listen, if you're looking to retire in your thirties or forties, or even to traditionally retire in your sixties or seventies, you may still have decades of life left. We are successful people because we're used to working. We're used to making money. I'm trying to get us all to stop defining ourselves in this ability to make money, but that doesn't mean that we're going to abandon it completely when we don't need to make money anymore. In other words, Most of us aren't going to exactly retire early. We are just going to change or shift the way in which we work. We're not going to be doing that traditional nine to five. We're maybe not going to be working for someone else, but we might still be making income. So this is something we talk about doing as we are financially independent, as we have enough money that we don't have to worry about that nine to five. But here's the interesting thing that really comes up from this discussion with Jillian Johnsrud. What if we didn't have to wait till we were financially independent to start doing what we wanted? What if we could start doing this in our 20s, 30s, or 40s? And that's why it's really intriguing, this idea of mini retirements. Instead of living the life we want to live when we're 50, 60, or 70, what if we did it earlier? Maybe we take these small retirements from our 9 to 5, we take time off, whether it be one month, two months, six months, or a year, to do the things we want to do, and then we can always return to traditional work later. Maybe we rest and relax during those mini-retirements because we're exhausted and burned out. Maybe we use a mini-retirement to write that book or start a new business. It doesn't matter. The point is that we're used to looking at life and retirement linearly. And what Jillian is really suggesting to us is that we should be a lot less linear, that there can be starts and stops, that we can take breaks in between. And most importantly of all, maybe this isn't a marathon that we're trying to complete, or maybe it is a marathon, but we don't care how long it takes to complete it. So if we have to take multiple breaks in between, if we have to make lots of money during some seasons of our life and make less money during others that's a okay, And I think this is really an agreement with my philosophy about what's happened to the FIRE, Financial Independence, Retire Early Movement in general. It started initially as this thing for young people to do who are burned out or tired by work, grind it out, make enough money, and then be able to stop working forever. But it's really evolved into lifestyle design, this idea that we can design the life we want today Maybe what that looks like is taking frequent and often breaks in our work life or changing from season to season, whether we work for other people or work for ourselves. I think this is a really, really mature way to start looking at our future. I think it's a way in which we can joy ourselves today as well as tomorrow so that we don't have to put our lives on hold. And the other thing I've been thinking a lot about, especially because what is happening in corporate America today, especially in technology sectors, is a lot of companies are starting to let go of people. In other words, people are being forced out of the workforce. They're being let go from their jobs. And maybe this is a perfect time to have your mini retirement go bag ready so that if you happen to fall prey to these type of issues, You're ready to take off and have an adventure and do something you really want to do for a few months before you get back to the 9 to 5. I think this is an evolution. I think the financial independence movement is changing. I think we're becoming more wise about lifestyle design. And most importantly, I think we're starting to build the lives we want to live today. We're not putting it off for tomorrow. And I think this is really helpful. We have a lot of tools in our toolkit. Today, Jillian Johns-Rude talked to us about mini-retirements. It's one of those tools. I think we should all think about using it when appropriate to live the lives we want to live today. All right As you know, I leave things running just a little bit of time uh, to catch the after show. Anything we didn't talk about anything like, boy, I really wish we hit on this aspect of mini retirements, but we didn't discuss it.
0: I think one of the big questions and concerns that I get a lot is healthcare. care. Okay. It's not an interesting Thing to me, but it's like a huge stumbling block. Um, that's the thing that people shout in all caps whenever I talk about mini retirements. So, um, if you want to throw that in, uh,
1: give us can. a thumbnail sketch. What What are kind of the the what is the issue, and what are the general solutions?
0: So. One of the issues is kind of this emotional issue that people really struggle to pay more for healthcare than they're already paying. Mm-hmm. Um, they're paying $400 a month. The idea of paying $800 or $1,000 a month is just, like, irritating and painful and annoying. Um, so the first thing you have to kind of work through is that, you know what, it's a line item. It's a budget cost yeah Yeah, your healthcare is going to cost you 12 grand this year uh your airline tickets are going to cost you you know eight grand the hotels are going to cost 10 grand like it's just a budget item like any other budget item and like as soon as you can just like uh, okay fine whatever that's the cost i can move on um then the other side is the logistics which once you know you know and and people get stuck in that. I, I don't know what that would be. But if you just do, like, take an hour to do some planning, do some research, there are a number of options. Um, I've had a lot of people negotiate just staying on, you know, their employer's health care.
1: Yeah, um, that's, that's the easiest. Which choice, is right? easy,
0: and which is great. You pay a little more out
1: of pocket, but yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. If you have a spouse, here's the other thing. You don't both have to take one at the same time. Our first four... Me and my husband didn't take at the same time. It was one or the other. We kind of rotated back and forth, which is logistically so much easier. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different options for people who want to take a longer mini retirement, but it has a different purpose. Um other than just like rest or travel. You know, maybe you just need something different. You need to change a pace. You were doing a corporate job, and maybe you say, you know what, I Personally, I love gardening. I'm kind of obsessed with gardening. So if I was like stepping out of a stressful corporate job and they said, hey, you could work 20 hours a week at the nursery and like water plants um, and we'll give you health care. I'd be like, sign me it. up. I'm on it. I will water plants and it will like be my meditation and I will just look at flowers all day long. Um so there's lots of different things, you know, through the exchange or some people do health sharing ministries or some people live abroad and, you know, they they pay out of pocket or they do traveler's yeah, insurance. insurance. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of options out there. Um, it's just kind of getting through that hurdle of you'll probably pay more. I, also, sometimes people pay less, you know, depending how long you're going to be gone. Um, let's say you want to take kind of a mini retirement and switch vocations and go back to school and think about the second act and what you want to do. You know, my husband just did a semester at automotive school in Southern California because he is obsessed with classic cars and he is, he just loves mechanics so much. So that was like his, his, childhood dream. Um, but if you're going to do something like that, you know, you might end up qualifying for subsidies on the exchange and you might actually pay less out of pocket than you pay now. I always encourage people to just take a couple hours and get more information. Do the research and let's negotiate this with with actual facts and not just this ambiguous how would I do this? What would it cost?